Anybody here never heard of the term mulligan before? Uh, I heard an oh yes. I think that meant oh yes, I've heard of it before. Yeah. Um, Just as a metaphor this morning, I know not all of you understand the religion of golf. I get that. Okay? Some of us have been bit by the bug. And ladies, I know some of you play golf. So I'm not like doing football, something that you may not have any interest at all. But just stick with me this morning. The world of sports is a forgiving one when you stop to think about it. Football, every 10 yards you get how many chances to advance the ball? Four. You've got four downs every 10 yards. In other words, you get multiple attempts to make it to the goal line. Baseball, when you're up there and you're getting ready to bat, how many times do you get to swing? At least three, right? It's three strikes or you're out. Not only that, but you have to be out three times in an inning before the other team gets to bat. And basketball, when you think about it, how many fouls before a player gets kicked out? Do you know? Do you remember? Is it five now? I thought it was four. It's five now. Shows you how much I follow uh, basketball. Five fouls and you're out. But golf, golf is a different story. In golf, you get one shot. That's all you have. You know what it's called? The next shot. Unlike baseball, golf requires that you play your foul balls. At least it did until a Canadian by the name of David uh, started to play the game. Phil Calloway wrote uh, several years ago that back in the early 1920s, David and his friends frequented um, St. Lambert Country Club in Montreal, Quebec. And David was the designated driver for the group. Now think about this, 1920s. Did they have soft suspension in cars back then? Barely anybody had a car. You know why David was the driver? He was the only one of the group with a car. And the roads weren't much better than the cars. They were full of gravel and potholes and various things. And that shaking and jarring, David had to endure all the way to the course. And as the story goes, his friends got in the habit of allowing David to take a second tee shot from the first tee. And as legend has it, the mulligan was born, named after David Mulligan of Montreal. Gary York, writing in his book, Master Strokes, Spiritual Growth Through the Game of Golf, have you ever learned patience? I, I can tell you, it's a spiritual thing to learn patience. And if your kids don't try it, I can guarantee you golf will. 
but golf will help you learn, yes? Gary York says this. He says, anybody who plays golf with some regularity knows what a mulligan is. It's the privilege playing partners offer each other to hit another shot without penalty, an opportunity to correct a mistake without having to deal with the consequences on your scorecard. James Diet says it much more succinctly and, and I think in a slightly better way. In his book, Out of the Rough, he writes that a mulligan is a product of sheer undeserved kindness. It cannot be earned. It can only be received. It is golf's gift of grace. And as you know, a mulligan, a mulligan is a do-over. What a wonderful concept. Think for just a moment. Wouldn't it be great to have some mulligans in your life? Like when you're coming through a tunnel, coming into the state of Kentucky, and the tunnel actually goes downhill, and the speed limit's 45, and you're drifting, and you're not paying attention, and you come out, and there's a police officer sitting right there at the end of the tunnel. When he pulls you over, don't you really want to say, hey, officer, can I have a... He didn't give me one, by the way. Uh, or how about this? When, you're, when your deposit doesn't clear, but your checks do. Or how about uh, when you forgot an anniversary or a birthday or missed a tax filing deadline? Or how about these? Have you ever really gotten mad at your kids? Maybe spoke out of anger? You ever had to deal with the death of an, of an estranged loved one? Where that relationship wasn't resolved as you would have wished it to be? Or maybe that habit that you have that you know is inconsistent with your Christian walk. Or that thing that you remember as failure that won't go away. But in life, there are no mulligans. We, we have to play the ball where it lies. And sin can pay some pretty heavy dividends. The hurt we cause can linger for decades. The words that we say can cut and bleed for a lifetime. Trust that we built over a lifetime can evaporate in a moment. One bad swing. Don't you long sometimes for, for a friend, for a spouse, for anyone to just say, no problem, just, just do it again. Take a do-over. 
Some of us even find that God's forgiveness is a little too much to hope for. Sometimes we look at God and we, we view him as the great scorekeeper in the sky who is marking every sin, marking every blow up, every lustful thought, every slice, every shank. God's just putting another tick on our scorecard, adding it up. And the penalty is severe. I bet John Newton felt that way. John Newton was the captain of an English ship that was heavily involved in the slave trade of his day. There was one time when he was making a return trip from Africa back to England with the ship full of cargo, human cargo, and a fierce storm came up. So fierce that he thought he was going to die. There was a sailor who did die on that ship due to the storm. John Newton, in the middle of that storm, alone in his thoughts, began to ask the question, if I were to die tonight, Where would I spend eternity? And faced with the conviction of the Spirit that he so often denied and cursed, John Newton fell to his knees and begged for forgiveness. Later he would write this. I see no reason why the Lord singled me out for mercy unless it was to show by one astonishing instance that with him nothing is impossible. If John Newton can feel that grace, if Paul can feel that grace, Peter, you can too. David writes, Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared from sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable and I groaned, All day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me all my guilt. Is gone. Yeah, you know John Newton's name. You know he wrote something else. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound 
that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. God's grace is the only mulligan that we get in this life. But those of you who already know his grace, you know that already. And you know that his grace is enough. And he gives that grace to all who will accept it. Mulligans and grace are about starting over. They're about second chances. Solomon, Proverbs 28, 13, he writes, People who cover their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and forsake them, they will receive what? They will receive mercy. Gary York, in another book, writes a very practical advice for obtaining that second chance using a golf metaphor and an acronym. He uses the word for, F-O-R-E. First one, he says, forego the excuses. Often we pretend that it's, that our game is actually better than what we think it is. And then we make up excuses for why a skill escapes us on a particular day. But it really doesn't make any sense because no one can play perfect golf. In fact, Walter Hagen, golf legend of his day, won 11 majors, once said, I have never played a perfect round of 18 holes. There is no such thing. I ex- expect to make at least seven mistakes around. And friend, if you expect to play a perfect round of life, you're sorely mistaken because you can't do it, certainly not on your own. You will make mistakes. You will have things that you know are sin. But let's be honest, none of us really want to own up to that. But friend... If you do, God will honor it. John writes in his first letter, 1 John, he writes, If we say we have no sin, we deceive who? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By the way, That's your memory verse for this week. I want you to think about that as we move into this new year. There's a story of a man who, in his guilt, decided to write a letter to the IRS and send them a check. In that letter he wrote, he said, Gentlemen, last year I cheated on my taxes and I haven't been able to get a good night's sleep ever since. Enclosed, 
please find $150. And if I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest. (laughs) Family, our confession can't be selective. We need to lay it all at the foot of the cross. This is an example of King David we can follow. I messed up. I sinned. No excuses. Forgo the excuses. Opt for mulligan. Chichi Rodriguez once said, the sweetest two words are next time. And we hope for a next time when it comes to sin, don't we? We see in the Bible there were a number of people who hoped for that next time. Take Abraham, who was an idol worshiper and became a friend of God. Moses, a murderer, becomes the greatest leader of Israel. Jonah ran from God, yet he brought thousands to repentance. David, an adulterer and a murderer, we still remember him as a man after God's own heart. Peter denied Christ in his greatest hour of need, yet he becomes the first leader of the body of Christ on earth. And Paul, the great persecutor of faith, the self-proclaimed murderer, he wrote 13 books that are in the New Testament. He is by far the greatest teacher of the faith outside of Christ himself. Friend, let's just face the fact that we all need a mulligan. Jesus provided it by shedding his blood On a Roman cross. In effect, God is waiting for you to accept his mercy. His mulligan. By accepting his son and burying our old self in the waters of baptism. And starting over again with a clean spirit. So, forego the excuses Opt for mulligan. Regain composure. Does a Christian life mean that you'll never be perfect? That you never ever will make another mistake? (laughs) You know what Paul says? By no means. Yes. What it does mean though is that our life trajectory is toward becoming like Christ and to sin less. Not sinless, but sin less. Romans 6, 1, Paul asks the question, do we go on sinning so grace can abound? He says, in effect, that'd be silly. That's dumb. Of course not. God's grace is not an excuse for us to live in sin. We are called to a different lifestyle. It's not 
mutter these magic words and you're good to go. No. Submit and change and let him be Lord of your life. Our lifestyle has to become one of faith. And I'm going to remind you, God honors our choices. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you're involved in, you have a choice today that you can make that God will honor in a positive way. He will still honor a choice if you make it in a negative way. But today, January 1, 2023, you have a chance to make a positive choice and accept Christ. When we are honestly seeking to live our life for him and there is an inadvertent slip up, I don't believe we have to be concerned about the scorecard. Do we need repentance? Absolutely. Do we need to get back in line? Absolutely. We need to turn back towards him. And God will help us refocus on his plan and help to get us straightened out. In other words, you give your life to him and you mess up. You sin. Don't walk away. Walk toward him. It's another good lesson we can get from King David. Okay. Forgo the excuses. Opt for a mulligan. Regain your composure. Execute the next shot. Golf is all about the next shot. If you are focused on the last stroke, on the fact you hit the ground, on the fact you shanked the ball, on the fact that you didn't take the tree in consideration that was 90 degrees off, but you hit it anyway. Thank you for laughing at me. If you're thinking about that, you're not thinking about what is truly important. What's important is to let that go and execute the next shot. Put your mind on things above. Friend, God has a plan for your life. You may not know fully what it is, but I can tell you this. You're not going to figure it out looking back at past mistakes. You've got to put your mind on the next stop, next shot. Maybe for you, that first step, that next step, is asking for God's forgiveness. The second step is to put your, your mind on things of Christ. And the third step is to start acting like he is Lord of your life. And to do the things that you know God wants you to to do. Now, you may not know everything, but you can do something and you can start moving towards him. So this morning,
it's time to stop thinking about the last shot and to dress the ball and to execute the next shot. You need to be asking yourself as we move into 2023, I believe there's another slide, but I'm not getting to it. If you can help me out there, yeah. One more, there you go. Ask yourself, how am I moving the gospel forward? Because remember, you were not saved just so you have a relationship with God. You are given a gift of unspeakable joy so you can share it with someone else. Father God, you have brought us through another year. Your grace has been evident among this body of believers and your hand is upon us. And we thank you for giving us your mulligan, for allowing us to start over again. Stir our hearts, Lord. Bring us closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.